The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Yes, welcome indeed to Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your own recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner and be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. In fact, we did hear from a listener this past week who was listening to the podcast about chaos to peace, where we were talking about fall weather, I think, and we said, all leaves matter. And then we giggled about that play on words. This was problematic because it referenced the deeply troubling saying, all lives matter. And in hindsight, we would not have said that. I would not have said that if I had realized what what I was saying. And we do thank our listener for pointing it out and for keeping us in integrity in this way. And and I have to note that it's uh, perfectly in line with our recovery principles. Is this not what we do? We keep each other in integrity by calling out uh, things we might say or do that are problematic or not okay. And so we're grateful for that. Yeah. Today's show is titled A Way Out. Many of us in active addiction were not looking for a way out of our way of living. But then things got really bad and we became willing to find a new path forward. We moved from complacently accepting our addiction to actively seeking to move beyond it. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on forging a new path forward with hope, commitment, and focus. Yes, so we want to share with you what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with a spiritual tool or principle that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. Today, we're going to be talking about moving from complacency to a new life through the principles of hope, commitment, and focus. So I asked myself, how was I, uh, we use the phrase complacently accepting. How was I complacently accepting my addiction? Well, first I had to look up the word uh, complacency. You know, sometimes I know that I hear a word and I've used it and I think I know what it means. But if you ask me for a definition, I couldn't say it. So I wanted to find out 
And what I found was uh, complacent, complacency being self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. And I thought that described me very, very well when I was drinking. I was perfectly satisfied with my drinking career and certainly unaware of the dangers and deficiencies in that way of living. So one thing uh, I would say to myself, and this is something I try not to do nowadays, I guess it's just plain old garden variety procrastination, right? I'll deal with it later. I'll deal with it later was one of the ways I was complacent in accepting my addiction. You know, yeah. it's just easier to say, okay, yeah, well, maybe there's a problem, maybe there's not, but I'm not going to do anything about it right now. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get to fixing that gutter. Yep. You know, this... I'll get to patching that a leak in the roof or whatever it might be. So that's one way I know I was complacent. I mean, isn't that kind of the way it works? Maybe not for everyone, but, you know, where there's kind of a slow dawning that, you know, first it's like, well, this is working for me. And then there's a slow dawning that maybe it's not working so well. And, um, but, you know, that's not certainly motivation enough to want to uh, stop an addiction. It's just that it's sort of not working. It's got to get a lot worse than that for us to, to, to come out of that complacency, you know, and we talk about in recovery about hitting our bottom and, um, you know, some people's bottoms are real low and some people are not as low, but it's whatever is the bottom for us that jerks us out of that complacency. And it's like, no, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. You were saying about being unaware of the dangers. I was thinking, you know, when I was drinking, I was in my early twenties. And so it's like, I was aware of the dangers sort of in a, in a, remote disconnected way but I just didn't care because I didn't even have a frontal lobe yet you know it's like I was still in that like kind of reckless youthful time where you know you know it's you know the things you're doing are dangerous but you just don't there's no um because that frontal lobe is not fully developed, there's no full understanding of what that even means. I mean, I didn't even understand my own mortality at that point. You know, when you're 21, two, three, you're going to live forever. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah, I just was, um, complacency, but also just, um, sort of blase, you know, like it's not, nothing's going to happen to me, you know, and also kind of self-destructive too. So I kind of liked that what I was doing was dangerous because I was, um, you know, I hadn't begun any of my healing yet. And, um, I, I sort of liked to do things that were not good for me. That was kind of my jam back then in a lot of ways, you know, yeah. Uh, there was a, like an excitement or a, I don't know what it was to that, to knowing, knowing that I was doing something that was dangerous that there was an attraction to that right that's what i think of it's just part of the dance you know we're all kind of dancing with uh our our, ourselves or our addiction in this case and that's Mm -hmm. that's part of it and let's face it there's something very thrilling about pushing yourself to the very edge of what you can get away with and then getting away with it and not having really serious complications you know what i mean (laughs) i think that was part of my thing too is like these near escapes you know i was always like just escaping tragedy you know all the time really seriously you know just missing a car accident or just almost getting a DUI but but not you know (laughs) it does keep life interesting yep in a dangerous kind of way after a a while I would look back and 
I, I can joke now that back then I knew exactly how much I was going to drink and when I was going to stop. I was going to drink one more and I was going to stop tomorrow. Yeah. And I, that's the, you know, I never, I never got past that. Yeah. If well, how much I'm going to drink is one more. I mean, that was always true. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Almost always true. I mean, there did come a point where I actually didn't drink one more probably because I couldn't. And uh, I was going to quit tomorrow. And so, I mean, that's complacency right there. That's just a different way of saying I'll deal with it later. Mm-hmm. No, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. It's not right. that bad. I'll be yeah. fine tomorrow. Oh, yes. Minimizing. Aren't we good at that? I know I was really good at minimizing, like minimizing the dangers I was putting myself in, minimizing yeah. the the stuff I was doing, you know, there's so many ways I minimized it. Like, Oh, everybody's doing this. You know, this is what you do in your early twenties. Well, everybody wasn't doing it. I mean, some were, but mostly weren't. And I was doing it. So there was that minimizing going on for sure. Another, you know, another way that I was complacent, I would just say that I was, I was unaware, you know, I wasn't, I I had no self-awareness really. Um, I was just kind of, you know, going along doing things, I just wasn't real awake, you know, it's just kind of going from one crazy drama or adventure to the next and not really having a lot of, um, a lot of awareness, a lot of, uh, not really considering carefully what I was doing, just sort of living, you know, flying by the seat of my pants kind of living. That's a type of complacency, right? Because I was just not awake not awake or aware of what was happening. In fact, I didn't want to be awake or aware of what was happening. That was the whole point. <laughs> you know, I'm remembering a story because uh, sometimes something would happen when I would become aware of sort of how I drank and how other people drank because mostly yeah. I drank at home alone. So it was, yeah. you know, I was isolated and not, you know, not really seeing what was happening with others or having it shown to me. So I think I was out of town on some kind of business trip. I think it was Chicago and there was a tequila bar and I love tequila. So me and some other people went in a tequila bar and you know, how fun is this? They have all these top shelf exotic tequilas. I'm like, I'll try that one. I'll try that one. And I think I maybe had three shots. For the discerning drinker. (laughs) Yeah. You know, in, in a half hour, 40 minutes. And they're looking at me like, how are you standing up? Yeah. I was like, because my tolerance had gotten quite high. Yes. But see, I didn't, I, that, I didn't connect it. I didn't know. In yeah. a way, you know, we've got sort of a sick pride about how much we can drink, right? Right. But what I was shown was that these people were looking at me like, what? <laughs> like how this dude's for, for real. <laughs> how far off the rail? It told me how far off out of the norm I was. I didn't do anything about it, but it told me. I didn't do anything about it because I was complacent. You had but another drink over right it. Right in front of my face. Yeah, I love how we thought we were so discerning having these like, you know, fine tequilas or I was always having these like <laughs> fine Napa Valley Chardonnays, you know, it was all right. part of my ruse that I was some sort of, you know, wine you aficionado. Yeah. You were kind of sewer, not a drunk. Come on. But let's face it. We would have drunk Jose Cuervo if we had to. And I would have drunk wine in the box. And I did drink wine in a box when I I had to. I drank wine in the box. I don't even like wine. (laughs) But I will defend Cuervo. I mean, I thought it was pretty good for the price. (laughs) 
Oh, goodness. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I just wasn't really aware of what was going on. I, th- it's clear that a lot of things were not working in my life, but uh, that was all too overwhelming at that point. Um, y- you know, I suppose there was, like you say, that sort of I'll deal with it later. Like, I kind of knew I was making a mess of my life, but I just didn't want to stop doing it yet. Let's just put it that way. Right. You know, so that that was a procrastination. I knew, like, long before I even stopped drinking, there was a part of me that knew that I was becoming a problem drinker and that I was probably going to have to give it up one day. Um, but it certainly wasn't going to be today. Not today. Not today. If I'm, I'm there. Yeah. If I'm going to give it up eventually, I'm going to have a good run with it first. You know? <laughs> Another way I minimize, and I like that word. I'm glad you brought it up is that, you know, I, I would focus on everything else in my life. Mm-hmm. Which nothing wrong with focusing on, you know, work, family, house, whatever. Right. But, I, you know, doing it as a distraction, like, oh, I don't want to think about that I might ha- actually have a drinking problem. And so I'm going to put my attention on anything but, right. you know, my my drinking. I mean, there was a time when, and, and I can tell you that this is not an effective strategy for getting sober. There was a time where I was carrying literally in my back pocket a printed out a meeting schedule for all the local <laughs> recovery meetings. And you know what? It really didn't help me get sober at all. It didn't burn a hole in your pocket. <laughs> no, at least though, I have to say, at least it was an acknowledgement. You know, it was, that was a step. It was an acknowledgement of uh, maybe increased awareness on my part. Like, you know what, this is really what I probably should be doing, but I didn't have the courage you know, and, and, and fighting an addiction like that alone is just not in my, from my experience, that is a not going to work. Right. I need the community. Right. And giving up an active addiction like that is a really big deal. So it's no wonder we postponed it or were complacent because it was going to be a very big deal when we did finally stop using. Right. So it takes what it takes and we all have our bottoms that we have to get to. And um, hopefully we make it through those bottoms safely, but the bottoms definitely do serve a purpose um, yeah. in snapping us out of that complacency. That's essentially what a bottom is when we can't be complacent any longer. Right. When our hand is forced, so to speak. Yep. Well, we've talked a lot about this challenge today, which is complacency, but let us move out of the problem and into the solution. So what, What are we seeing as the solution here today? Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. And sometimes these principles can be found right in front of us, hidden in plain sight, so to speak, even in the most mundane or cliche of concepts. And And today, that's where we find the principles that can lead us out of complacency and into a new life. Specifically, we're thinking of hope commitment and focus which are boring right but (laughs) quite powerful if we're open to them and that's what we want to look at today but these things hope commitment and focus sound like some kind of rah-rah motivational poster right hanging in the break room at work right and and i you know even i can ask really this is the solution right here really uh and our answer is yes actually it is hang in there with us to see how that could be. Yeah. So Michelle, what comes to mind for you when we speak about such things? 
you know, so let's talk about hope first. I mean, yes, hope is obviously the focus of many um, motivational posters <laughs> in offices and such, but, you know, it's a real thing. And hope for the active user, I think, is is a belief that things could be different, a belief that there is another kind of life out there that is possible for us. And, you know, in Unity, we um, stress, we highly stress um, the mind, you know, the power of the mind, what we call the law of mind action, our third principle that, you know, what we hold in our consciousness is what we typically uh experience or outpicture or manifest in our lives. So before we can create a more hopeful future, we have to have some belief that there could be a better future, right? That's what cracks it open. That's what this idea that things could be different from me. I don't have to live this way. It could be different. That's the beginning of cracking this whole thing open. And we have to have that. We've got to pull that hope from somewhere in order to begin to manifest it, right? So as they say, hope springs eternal. And I think that, I think that hope is a deeply human phenomenon. You know, you read stories of like Nelson Mandela and Viktor Frankl and these horrific things that make anything I've gone through look like, you know, a walk in the park and, and these dark, dark, horrible things that people have gone through. And yet from somewhere that hope sprung again, and it was what they clung to. So um, it's, I think that hope is something that is born inside of us as humans and it does spring eternal. It just, no matter how bad things get, there's this little inkling of a light that, that comes in that um, is a very human quality. You know, to me, hope, is related to faith or it's somehow similar to faith and a phrase that I've found and one that I teach and it's it's really an affirmation and I I want to affirm this I do affirm this in my life and this is uh you know the life that I want to live and I and I do generally and if I think about it I pretty much do stay in this space and, it, and it's this statement my best days are ahead of me mm-hmm my best I believe that my best days are ahead of me yeah and that uh, for me is an expression of you know hope for the future like you say hope springs eternal it's it's an expression of faith uh in God not that God is going to reach down and do this to do that but that these principles are true and they work Mm -hmm. and if I like we say about our program it works if we work it right and my my faith in in god and the way that god works whatever it is that god is i don't know but uh those principles and we in unity always talking about principles these spiritual principles are uh i find them to be eternal and immutable and they work if i am willing to come into alignment with them so in that way it's up to me Right. And I choose for my best days to be ahead of me. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just saying that hope is sort of this thing that's, you know, in us that just keeps coming back. And maybe we could say that hope is the divinity in us, that hope does come from God. You know, when we're in our humanity, which we are when we're actively using any kind of addictive behavior or substance, um, 
you know, we're very much in our humanity. And, and yet there's this spirituality, this, you know, divine spark, as we speak of this, this godness that's in us, that is sort of, um, it's like this little flickering candle at our center, and it may be just about to go out, but it really can't, it's like a pilot light, I mean, I guess a pilot light could go out, but it really can't ever go out, it's like our eternal pilot light, you know, and that is God sort of, you know, not God as a human, but God as a principle of love and hope and that is just sort of knocking at the door of our hearts saying, you know, hello, it could be different, you know, and so that is the divinity in us. It's it's our higher self that is trying to call us forth to something better. And we're just, you know, it takes what it takes. It's got to knock as many times as it's got to knock until we finally answer the door. And I, I like think- that way of seeing it calling us forth or forward or upward to something better. I believe that that's a core aspect of um of god as i understand god is yeah that, that is yeah. something you know just like um, other things that we know about that are seemingly eternal like gravity or whatever uh you know it's the same for everyone everywhere all the time and another thing that's the same for everyone everywhere all the time is god's love and god calling us forward yep in some way always to something to more, you know, higher experiences of joy and novelty and glee and discovery and all that kind of stuff. I want to share, when I think about commitment, I want to share this version, this version, this verse from the Gospel of Luke. This is Luke 9, 62. And I love this. You might find it troubling. No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Mm. you cannot look back if you look back you've lost your way is how yeah. i might paraphrase that yeah. the way that it's stated here and is in a you know very sort of judgmental way you're not fit well i would say you're not fit as long as you're looking back if part of my consciousness is you know in doubt and my commitment is partial then it's not going to work right that's how we might state it in a in our in our more progressive uh, way of seeing here in in unity. The commitment is a one hundred percent thing. I had that taught to me over and over very clearly uh, in my in my prosperity training. Is you have to commit one hundred percent to something. Ninety nine point nine is not going to cut it. Uh, if you have a plan B to fall you know, fall back on, that that's not going to cut it. That doesn't mean that. Um, you know, if I'm going for something, I'm sure that if for whatever reason it didn't work out, there are three other things I could do. But when I start like mapping those three things out, you know, that yeah. my, my, my eyes are in the wrong place. Yeah. I have my hand on the plow, yet I'm looking back. Right. It's not going to work. Yeah. I'm not going to realize God's kingdom if I do that. So commitment is that, you know, so 100% um, dedication to whatever it is, it could be an idea, it could be a task, it could be a goal or a path, or what have you, uh, 100% commitment, holding nothing back. Yeah. It's essential. Yeah, I like that, that verse about not looking, you know, I've heard it said, like, 
don't be looking back. You're not going that way. You know, none of us are going that way. We are absolutely not. It's impossible. We can't go back. We can only go forward. And I love that. It's, It's really been true for me that my best days are ahead. You know, every day gets better than the day before. I mean, maybe not on a micro level, but definitely things get better and better. And that's because I believe that that's, I believe that that's sort of the blueprint for life, you know, for consciousness is that consciousness is never stagnating. It's never going backwards. Consciousness is just like they they say the universe is always expanding. Our consciousness is always expanding. Um, The God's ability to express in and through us is always expanding. And that is sort of the the trajectory that we're on. So um, yeah, we're not going in that direction. Uh, Yes, commitment, you know, I, I, I'm just grateful that over the years I have had the commitment to um, recovery. I've never faltered on the path. I've always, you know, not that I haven't had my ups and downs and all of that, but I've always stayed on the path. And, um, you know, I know there are many folks that that take a roundabout way and, and that's, you know, that's okay too. It takes what it takes. It takes us what it takes. And um, it's easier if we stay on the path, you know, and don't have to keep getting on getting off and getting back on. But I I just wanted to say that because I know for so many people, recovery is a circuitous path. And so I just, if anyone is listening that has had, you know, relapse or had times when they've, you know, sort of gotten off the path, that that doesn't mean that recovery can't still happen for you. It's still there. We're still here. Oh, yes. And And you can get back on. Yeah. And, and your best days are ahead. They really, really are, you know, and, and there may be difficult times that have to be gotten through but um even in the yeah even in those times there's still a sense that things are going upward they're just always going upward yeah yeah i know that that affirmation about best days ahead of me is true the moment i decide that it is Mm -hmm. so when i think about focus i think about our meditation practice right because in meditation Uh, at least the kind of mindfulness that we do contemplative prayer i have a focus point often my breath, it could be other things, but I use my breath. And if my mind wanders, I bring my focus back. And so focus is kind of a practice to me. It's not a, oh, I lost my focus. Therefore, I'm doing this wrong and nothing's going to work. It's not like that. It's can I bring it back? And it also reminds me of that core unity principle that we might call thoughts held in mind, reproduce after their kind, whatever it is that I'm carrying around in my head, whatever thoughts that are habitual thoughts, not just any little fleeting thought, right. but any habitual thought I have tends to bring in others of its kind. And so in that way, I am focusing my mind by what I carry in it. So I can shift my focus by shifting uh, what I carry in it. And yes. of course, that takes time and practice. It's not just the decision that I make. It begins with that. Uh, it's an intention that I set and a commitment to the path that I make. But let's hold that thought because it is time for a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. We hope that you'll stay with us. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Yes, welcome back. Uh, we are glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. Prior to the break, we had first discussed complacency and what that was like for us. Then we moved into talking about some spiritual principles that helped us get out of that, which is really hope, commitment, and focus. So now we're going to talk about how we use those spiritual principles to move out of complacency and into a new life. The first thing that comes to mind, so I'm thinking about hope, about that one. And this this is almost like that, you know, we know about this concept of the power of positive thinking. Right. And and it's and it is a, a true, it is a thing, right? It's not everything though. That that's where we can get into trouble. Sometimes it's implied that I can rainbow and unicorn my way out of any problem yeah. that I have if I just sort of refuse to think negative thoughts. And uh that is not the mm-hmm. case. Mm-hmm. But choosing to see the upside so positive thinking in that way yeah uh, that's different i'm not pretending that my challenges aren't there i might see them fully and say you know this may very well be the case that i have had a serious problem with alcohol and i'm working hard to move through that and at the same time um, i'm going to choose to see an upside in my life Mm -hmm. another way i've put that is you know, I realized at some point, I'm like, wait a second, I'm just making all this up in my head. If I'm just going to, you know, I'm sort of spinning forward, projecting, um, you know, projecting doom or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, wait a second, if I'm just going to make up crap, why don't I make up good stuff right? instead of bad stuff? That's sort of the power of, of positive thinking. So the, the way that shows up for me is I look for opportunities. That's all I can call it. I look for opportunities. I, I remain aware um, that a door of Torah, a wonderful thing, could open anywhere at any time, probably unexpectedly. And so I, I want to walk this world and live my life as if there are wonderful surprises, um, potentially around every corner. And you never know. It could be in something someone says that sparks an idea or uh, an opportunity or anything. The smallest things can turn into the, you know, the beginning of the most wonderful journeys in our life. And so I assume that that's true. And I look for opportunities. That's a way that I apply hope in my life in general, making a game out of it even. And again, because if I'm going to make stuff up, I'm going to make up good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I like that you really differentiated, you know, that that there is a toxic positivity and positivity becomes toxic when we disregard our feelings or disregard our humanity, um, you know, disregard what we're going through. I mean, positivity does not mean that we aren't human and that we don't go through painful times, that we don't suffer, that we don't struggle because we do. That's absolutely part of the human condition. And we wouldn't want to eradicate that even if we could, because we want to live the full spectrum of the human experience right not just la la happy happy all the time that's not where it's at 
Um, but the positivity comes in when we allow that hope to continue to keep springing forth, you know, that hope that things could be better and that there could be a blessing even in the darkest times. And I have absolutely found that to be true. Absolutely. I wouldn't be here saying it if it hadn't actually panned out in my life. Some of the most challenging and painful times in my life ultimately gave way to the biggest blessings. And so that's something that I really hold on to. You know, if I'm going through a difficult time, I I know that there's pain to be gotten through and that there's probably some work that I have to do, but I also know that the light always comes after the darkness, right? The darkness always ultimately gives way to the light. And so I sort of keep my eye on that. That's like hope and hope is often symbolized by light, you know? Um, so when I'm in the, there's a, it's like, it's like a Robert Brummett always talks about double vision. So we are at once human and spiritual. So there's sort of this part of us that is having the human experience and going through the difficult times. And then there's this other part of us that knows sort of the bigger picture, knows that ultimately it's all going to be okay because it's all going to be for our growth. And so we live this sort of double existence, you know, one foot in the human realm, being human, having these experiences, and the other foot in the spiritual realm, knowing that it's all going to be okay. And that's sort of how we go through life we we have to hold both of those things at the same time so toxic positivity would be ignoring the human part right right but that positivity that comes from our divinity from our connection with god is what knows that there's going to be a blessing that there's going to be growth that things are always moving upward and forward no matter how dark they may look at the time and once you've been through that a few times and you and you you can start to trust that right because you've seen it happen in your life before and then you know instead of us telling you this is how it is you'll know it for yourself yeah, maybe an example of that kind of, and, and it is good to acknowledge this, that toxic positivity is if I'm, if I'm sad and I'm going to pretend that I'm not sad, right? That's toxic positivity. The way I would apply a healthy, positive thinking to that is I am sad. That's okay. I'm going to find my way through this. And this does not define me. Yeah. That's a positive way of approaching it. That's not pretending that it's not there i think that's so very important mm -hmm. um and along similar lines so i'm still thinking about hope i talked about looking for opportunities so as i'm looking for opportunities i find it important to remember to expect a miracle yes right in in other words don't limit god's possibilities that's right you know i found myself thinking the other day i was having a worry about uh finances and i thought oh man you know well if i don't do this then you know, maybe I, I wouldn't earn that money and, and then I may start to get nervous. And, mm -hmm. and then I pictured this, uh, I'm not sure what this would look like, but I pictured God rolling God's eyes <laughs> and God saying, you realize I created all of reality, right? You think I might be able to come up with a few bucks for you <laughs> each month? Is that, is that possible at all? <laughs> and I just had to laugh at myself and, and say, okay, me message received. Um, I don't need to be uh, focusing on that. I can um, look for opportunities, expect the best and, you know, and take yeah. action. I can expect a, a miracle. That's different than depend on a miracle, right? but I can expect a miracle at any, 
any time, any place, at any turn. Not just a uh, a nice outcome, not just a good outcome, but a, a ridiculously, incredibly wonderful outcome. Yep. I love that your God rolls their eyes. <laughs> My God does lots of things at like me. that too. At, at you. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. Um, I, I think that God is endlessly amused by some of our human antics. Um, I love our, you know, we talk about how we have these cliche sayings and on the surface, they seem like, oh, please. But then, then over time we learn sort of the depth of them, right? Don't quit before the miracle. Yeah. And that's not a one and done. We've talked about this many times. The miracle keeps happening over and over and over again. In fact, we get to a point where we see life itself really as a miracle. Um, and, and so that's something that we can really hold on to with hope also. But, but my caveat is that we have to stay engaged and we have to do the work. Like the miracle doesn't just kind of show up. You know, we, we usher forth the miracle by remaining engaged in the recovery process and by suiting up and showing up and doing our 12-step work, doing our spiritual work. Um, that's when the miracle is able to spring forth is because the miracle is really in our own transformation, right? What has we've changed created, in me? We've created the space for it. Is yep. how I, think. I don't create the miracle, but I create the space for it. Right. By yes. By doing my work. Exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, there's been more than one time in my recovery journey when uh, a wise person with more recovery than me has said to me, don't quit before the miracle. And that has really helped me. So, you know, if you're going through a tough time right now, I would just say to you, don't quit before the miracle. Um, As long as you stay engaged on this path, taking a step forward, even if it's a tiny step, it doesn't matter as long as it's forward. Don't look back because you're not going that way. Looking forward and taking a step forward and staying. So now, now moving more into talking about commitment, right? You know, commitment is just staying. It's, it's a commitment to stay on this path, really. Um, even as you may take twists and turns, um, as we all do, it's knowing that this, this, Thing that we're doing that we call recovery it's ultimately it's a lifelong journey you know so you're not going to be done with recovery like oh i'm done that doesn't happen this is a lifelong journey but it's a lifelong journey that you want to be on trust me you want to be on it you know because it really is good it's a very good thing but it is lifelong and um it's you know if we can just realize that that um this is a this choice that we have made is a, it's a life choice, right? It, um, we may have ultimately made it at the beginning because we wanted to get out of whatever pain we were in at that moment. Sure. And that's fine. That's fine. That's what gets us here. Again, something horrible, tragic, painful, but it got us onto this path, which is ultimately a path of light. So um, that's just the way it works. You know, as long as we're on the journey, and committed to the journey, it doesn't matter how many, um, you know, twists and turns it may take, we're still moving forward on this path. Yeah. My final thought on hope is we have this saying, you were just talking about these corny sayings we have, and one of them is act as if. 
Yeah. Now you could look and act as if and say, isn't that toxic positivity, you know, pretending I'm not sad when I feel sad. I would say, no, it's not. Because if I'm feeling sad, what I'm going to act as if, I'm going to act as if there is a solution and I am finding it. How would a person who knows that there's a way through this conduct themselves? How would they move forward? I'm going to act as if I were that person on a healing path. That's not as acting as if this is not happening. It's I acting as if I know there's a way forward and I'm going to show up for that way forward. Um, The next one we talk about is commitment. And uh, I'm sure that I mentioned this a lot because to me, it's a central thing and it's um, the practice of setting an intention. Yeah. Right. And intention is the most deceptively small of things Mm. like it reminds me of that mustard seed um aphorism that uh just from this seemingly small not very powerful thing springs this wonderful very powerful um experience and so when, when i set an intention i'm convinced that somewhere in my mind it gets sort of planted and it kind of directs you know the direction of what's going forward or at least gives me a way to assess like in, in, am i in alignment with my intention or not it has a i believe a subtle yet powerful effect on everything that comes after it so if i have a goal or you know anything i want to make a commitment to the first thing i do is i set my intention just very clearly it's best even if i can write it out on a piece of paper and maybe i share it with someone else maybe i don't that's not required Right. Uh, what is required is that I'm very clear on it uh, within myself. You know, my intention is to live my life as a sober person. Yeah. You know, my intention is to be of higher service, whatever that might mean. I'm not saying that I know to be of higher service to those around me. Those yeah. are just a couple examples of intentions that we can set. But I wanted to mention that when we talk about commitment, setting an intention, I have found to be very important. Yeah, very powerful process. Um, Another thing that really helps me to remain committed to this path, because there have been some difficult times for me, certainly over the years, um, is is this trust that I've developed, that we all develop um, in our higher power. And it's, it's sort of a nuanced, difficult thing to describe, because when I talk about having faith in the higher power, that doesn't mean that everything's going to go well for me. I don't believe that God sort of reaches down this hand and, you know, makes every, you know, ta-da, makes everything wonderful. That certainly has not been my experience. And, and I wouldn't want that because that's not the human journey, right? But it's a bigger picture than that. My faith in the higher power is what I've already said today is that all of this is going somewhere good. That's to me what that faith means and that I'm an integral part of that. And it goes to what I believe is the purpose for my life. And ultimately I believe the purpose for my life is to express more of God's goodness into the world. Um, And the cool thing is I get to do that in the unique way that only I can. Right. So whatever it is that my gifts and talents and, you know, things are, I believe that the God energy, God, the divine mind is always seeking to express itself through the particular configuration of personality and talents and such. That is me. That's the whole reason I'm here. 
Just like when I go and look at nature and I see how God is expressing through every individual flower and insect and animal, every single one of those things is an expression of God. And so am I. And so I know that ultimately that's the purpose for my life is to express this love, this infinite love and goodness of God into the world. So that helps me know where I'm going. You know, that is ultimately where I'm going. And if I hold that in my consciousness, which I do very strongly, that's what's going to manifest. And so God is going to constantly be trying to express through me. And the more that I can open myself to that and be that vessel or vehicle for that expression of goodness and love, then the more I'm going to be fulfilling my purpose. And that is ultimately what is so what makes life wonderful is when we're doing what it is that only we can do. Right. Um, And so that that's what gives me hope. That's what keeps me committed to the path again with all of the twists and turns. But I believe that that's ultimately where I'm going. And so when things happen that I don't understand in life, as they frequently do, I assume that it, it, it's all of it is in service to that in some way that I don't understand right now. Whatever it is that's happening yeah. is ultimately going to be part of my ultimate purpose in life, which is to express more of God's goodness and love into the world. Assume that that is the case. I like that. Yeah. And it is Assume ultimately it is together somehow. Yep. What is it? You know, I'm, I'm bad at memorizing Bible quotes, but what is the one about uh, all things work together for those who love God? Yep. And, and I, I believe that's a decision that we make. Yes. You know, I don't have to decide if it's true or not. I just decide that that's how it's going to be for me. And then yep. that becomes true. Um, I'm thinking about focus. So well, two things. I mean, one is, uh, so for commitment, I jotted down about a spiritual practice so I can commit myself to a spiritual practice. And, and for me, that's um, a practice of contem- contemplation, mm-hmm. contemplative prayer. It can show up as a sitting meditation. It can show up just as sort of uh, awareness at any moment in time of what is going on within my mind and body in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that helps me with is a focus, right? So we talk about hope, commitment, and focus. So if I have some kind of spiritual practice, then I have a focus point. Literally, you know, if I'm talking about a mindfulness meditation, I have a focus point like my breath, right? And I bring my attention back to my breath when it wanders. That's sort of like a microcosm of my whole life where I have a focus in my life. And I had a minister who used to always say this, phrase in fact he had a little he had um not really an altar but a little bookshelf with knickknacks on it each of which carried a particular meaning for him and one of them was a snake and the reason he had a snake is because he would say watch your thoughts like you would watch a snake if you were in a room with a snake that was poisonous you believe me would keep your eye on that snake he said keep you watch what's going on in your head watch your thoughts like you would watch a snake because that those you know my thoughts are the things that are kind of running my life and a paraphrase of that is you know always do as well as possible to be aware of what is flying around in my head because that is how I'm creating my reality so I would keep my eye on that uh, as it is a very very important part 
yeah my experience and his memorable way of saying it is watch your thoughts like you would watch a snake so that's a a way that a focus can help me move out of complacency you know give me something to focus on and remind me that that focus is really quite important I was thinking about how I would probably be there trying to befriend the snake because I've been known to actually take like a selfie with a snake and then be told later that that was a poisonous snake that I was standing next to. But And then I thought, well, isn't that very Buddhist because Buddhists talk about befriending our thoughts rather than being like in resistance that. to them, right. befriending exactly. them. Yeah. So we're like the metaphor uh, junkies here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would think positive thoughts about the snake as I backed away and went the other direction. Um, I wanted to talk about focus. And um, I was thinking that focus, I mean, sort of the, the biggest thing about focus is that uh, to, to remain committed to this path and to derive all of the benefits that are available to us when we stay on this path we really have to put our recovery first in our lives. If that's the focus, right? Yeah, um, yes. Thank you. You know, and, and it, because, but it, so it may start out as recovery from drugs or recovery from alcohol or recovery from gambling or whatever it is. Ultimately that focus on recovery from that thing, in my experience, widens to become just a spiritual path in general. So, so, at the beginning, my recovery had to be the focus of my life. Now, my spirituality, my spiritual growth and development and wellness is the focus of my life. And it has yeah. to be, it's the top thing. It comes before anything else. Um, everything else in my life is in service to that. It helps me keep a perspective. Like, I'm not here for my job. I'm not here for, you know, whatever other things are, you know, part of my life, those, those things are part of it and they're wonderful and they're important, but what am I really, really here for? You know, I'm really here for my own spiritual growth and development, which ultimately allows me to be in service to others, right? Because as I grow, I help you to grow and that's the way it works. So putting our recovery first is so important. It's got to be the top thing in our life. And I'm really glad you said that because isn't it sometimes it's not until the very end do I realize, oh, I probably should have said this first. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of important and that is very important. Well, we've said a whole lot about this. So let's step way back if we can and see if we can find a concise way to sum it up. So Reverend Michelle, if someone came to you and said, hey, you know, how can I shake up my complacency and get serious about my recovery path? What might you respond? Oh, my goodness. That's a tough one. I mean, I think what I just said is that if we really want to derive the full benefits from this, our recovery has to become the most important thing in our life. And that doesn't mean that other things aren't important because they are. But I can't be of service to anyone, including my family myself if if i'm not spiritually fit and so um just putting that you know it's another way is saying putting god first you know putting god yeah. first in our lives and then once we do that everything else has a much better chance of falling into place because we have our priorities straight we know what the focus of our life is we know what's most important and everything else um, is in service to that so that would sort of be my put your recovery first you won't regret doing that yeah i like that 
my mind went to all of the excellent uh, counsel that I received early in recovery. Uh, and so a way I can shake up my complacency and get serious is about setting an intention, you know, and making a commitment. The first commitment I make is to a home group, right? I mean, once I've committed to my recovery, I want to commit to a home group, which just means I decide this is my home group and I'm going to come to meetings here. And I'm going to be available to, um, you know, sweep up after or make the coffee or whatever might be asked of me. I'm going to join in this thing. It's like recovery is a, a club for non-joiners, right? How many people have you heard? I'm not really a joiner. Yeah, well, me either. Um, <laughs> but this is important. You know, so get a higher power, join, join a home group. And then in the home group, while you're going to the meetings, listen to what others are sharing, looking yeah. for points of connection. You know, not the, oh, I'm not like that. And I never. But rather, um, look for points of connection where people say things and you can think, oh, yeah, that I, I've been there. I've done that. That sounds like something that I know about. That kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. Get a sponsor and work the steps. That's yep. The Keep coming back, as we say. Keep coming yeah. back. Well, our uh, affirmation for you today can help to solidify all of this in your mind. And our affirmation is this. I fully commit in faith to my recovery journey, and I know my best days are ahead of me. That is a good summary. I fully commit in faith to my recovery journey, and I know that my best days are ahead of me. Indeed. Well, it has happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery. In fact, if you've made it this far in the podcast, we're particularly grateful. And we hope that you've found something in all of our carrying on that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery path. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, as always, for our fun discussion. It never gets old. No. Does it? Not for me. It's always a fun thing it to do. And fun. thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. And listeners, if you'd like, you can always connect with us throughout the week on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Go ahead and drop us your thoughts and comments. We'd love to hear from you. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. But until then, don't drink like my co-host. And whatever you do, do not drink like my co-host. <laughs> don't drink the Cuervo. <laughs> Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.